What comes to your mind when I speak of avatars? Perhaps your social media cartoon mini-me, or something you use in gaming, or maybe even a popular animated series, or one of the highest grossing movie franchises of all time. But what if I were to tell you that with artificial intelligence, avatars can be leveraged to make fashion more sustainable, personalized and inclusive while simultaneously providing a compelling customer experience, thus boosting profitability and brand engagement. BigThings makes this a reality with a digital shopping experience complete with mobile body scanning, immersive showrooms and virtual try-on. And to tell us all about this SAP I.O. startup, joining us today is Chandralika Hazarika, the MD and co-founder of BigThings. A seasoned branding and marketing professional with over 15 years of experience, she redirected her focus towards digital entrepreneurship, aiming to establish digitally empowered brands. At Big Things, she has revolutionized consumer engagement in the metaverse, creating intuitive high-tech products for various sectors such as fashion, retail, gaming and wellness. Additionally, she expresses her passion for fashion through her label, Velvet Piano. An advocate for women in tech, Chandralika earned the Accenture Women in Tech 2021 award. So let's jump in and don't forget to like, share and subscribe. As always, I'm your host Akshi Mola and you're listening to SAP Experts Podcast. Welcome, Chandralika, to the SAP Experts Podcast. I know you have been on the top of my list for quite some time to uh, interview. And finally, the stars have aligned and here you are. Thank you so much for joining me today. Same here. I've been waiting for you for long too. <laughs> Absolutely. So we will be jumping right in. So as a co-founder of Big Things, which is an AI-driven fashion tech company, you have been at the forefront of revolutionizing the fashion industry. And I don't say this lightly because now we might be seeing generative AI, Web3, Metaverse. Everybody's talking about it. It's ruling the headlines. But you have been a part of this change for quite some time now. So could you please share with our listeners the story behind the inception of Big Things and the driving force that led you to create this platform? Yes, thanks a lot, Akshay. So thanks, and this you're very right. I feel very old, even when I say that this year we're going to complete eight years. Uh, eight years before we started big things, the term fashion tech did not exist. It was an extremely hard sell for us in 2016. Try go and tell anyone, hey, do you want to go digital? Hey, what are you thinking about when fashion was all about touch and feel? Imagine walking to a luxury brand in Milan and say, hey, you know, how about being a little more sustainable? Let's try and make you more, you know, more digital. It was extremely hard. Uh, the term fashion tech did not exist. As I said, it was all about fintech, HR tech. There were so many other terms, but fashion tech did not exist. And uh, we started there. Uh, it was a very simple story. You know, uh, me and my co-founder both are architects by education, like building architects. We are ideally supposed to be designing buildings. And today, when I look back, I see that we are doing the same thing, but in the digital space. And being architects help us understand the scale of humans very well. 
so the, the sense of space, the sense of human body very well. And uh, that really helped us in the journey. But long back in 2016, uh, we started as an ed tech company, uh, very early realized that it was a very difficult sector. And uh, with a lot of amazing mentors, they told us, you guys have developed some amazing immersive tech. Obviously, today you would call it the metaverse. That time it was just some immersive tech. <laughs> so we are like, okay, so let's look at other sectors. That's when uh, my co-founder, he studied in Key Swiston in Cleveland. And he was then, he started, he's a serial entrepreneur and he just started his second healthcare company in Chicago. Wow. He exited that company uh, in Chicago and uh, he just heard there is a lot of amazing tech talent available in Bangalore in India. And without knowing anything, he landed up in India for to start his third company. And then uh, he was ordering a, lo a lot of stuff, you know, online because his body structure was such he was used to, you know, maybe the US body type. And he was ordering and every time he would just keep returning because of the wrong size and fit. And I, I happened to be the brand head of a Singapore firm for eight years and I was very global and the same problem I faced and we both were pretty workaholic. We didn't have the patience to wait for the person to come and pick up the return. And uh, uh, we realized that, okay, there has to be a solution for this. Uh, we started um, uh, understanding the market. We just did not know how big the problem was. Like 2021, US alone lost $760 billion in potential sales in returned items. Wow. I'm talking about just one country. And um, you talk about any of the Asian countries, they all have is just not being accounted because returns are free. Uh, we misuse, we all of us misuse, no one to blame. And it is not the customer's fault. It is just the way the fashion industry operates. It is every brand has a different size specifications and every body type is different. Uh, and you and I might be the same height, but completely different body type, BMI, everything. So that's when we uh, start, we realize that we need to solve this problem, but let's start with the human body because the integral part of the whole problem is the human body. So the only thing today that we ask the, our consumers is the height. And obviously it has evolved. We started at a very basic level of mobile body scanning and comparing it with the size charts. Today it's a lot of immersive avatars and obviously other environments. Yeah, but that's how it started, you know, with solving an actual problem that two, two human beings very restless were facing. <laughs> Absolutely. I think uh, that makes it so personal that, okay, this is a problem, this exists, and we need to yes. find an answer to that. And, you know, I'm really fascinated <clears throat> by that process of, you know, coming to the answer, because like you very rightly said, humans are diverse, right? And historically, fashion hasn't been all that diverse, right? Uh, and, you know, I don't know whose genius idea was to really classify humans as small, medium, and large, but here we are. And then, Every company has vanity sizing and who knew? I mean, I am recently finding this out that you can be petite at every size. Add to that mix, uh, Chandralika, there's always, this is a problem that I have faced. You know, I can look at the size charts. Really, I study the size charts when I'm ordering online because I love ordering online. I, you could not pay me to go to a retail store. <laughs> you look at the size chart, you measure yourself, you do everything, you do your due diligence, but sometimes things just don't look right. They don't fall right. Even if you look at the material, you're like, okay, it's tweed. It should look heavy. Sometimes it just does not. What you, you know, receive is completely different. So with 
all of these moving data points, could you delve into the challenges Big Things faced while developing the virtual try-on technology and how did you all uh, resolve it? Yes, definitely. You know, uh, so when you start early, you know, as an early stage company, you obviously don't have millions sitting in your bank to go and buy human body data that's global. Right. You can buy that data in, uh, all over the world. That's cost you maybe many, many millions. So we had to create our own data points. Uh, we realized that we have to do that in different countries. So we literally traveled into countries, you know, we initially we launched um, uh, today when I look back, the other day I was talking to an investor in the gaming space, which is booming. I didn't even realize that we started our company to collect data in the gaming space. We actually launched a fashion gaming app in Netherlands and, nice. and Asia. And uh, it was a very super interesting app where you could go and create your avatar, you know, uh, everything that you're seeing today, but as was way advanced in 2018, you can create your own avatar, do everything, uh, create your own garments, which was most exciting. And this process helped us collect endless number of body scans, face scans, um, and it helped us evolve. We were clear we didn't want to be a B2C company, but we needed to, you know, obviously with the consent of the consumers that we needed the data points. All the images were deleted on the spot, obviously. We just had the outline and the height and the gender of the person and maybe the country. So uh, the biggest challenges we faced were the body shapes and men's masculinity of the body. It was so varied in different countries. Uh, recently, we're working with one of the biggest, you know, UK's one of the biggest luxury brands in the world and UK's best. So uh, I was speaking to a lady, uh, she apparently tried the overcoat, but she was, she's from UK, but she tried the overcoat in Dubai. Mm. The same brand, it did not fit her at all. She was like, oh my God, you're a luxury brand. You can't get my body correct. She left it. She went back to London, tried the overcoat in London. It fit her perfectly for her body type. Wow. Now, this is the difference. The overcoat of that same brand in Dubai was custom made, obviously had different size specifications for Dubai, but she is from UK and that was the mistake. The when she tried it in London, it fit her perfectly and actually she paid all the pounds. <laughs> so that's the difference. So body shape and masculinity of uh, is very, very critical. Only thing we I just ask is the height. That was the biggest challenge we faced. Uh, the second was the brand clothing data. The size charts and the tech packs that brands have is very limited. Even some of the biggest brands in the world, you will not believe when you go, if they're my client and I go and ask them, hey, can you give me the size charts? I assume they would have it. They would say, oh my God, I don't have it. It's with the factory. Can wow. you get it from the factory? No, they don't know. So as a result, I get very limited size specifications or maybe a consumer you buying, you are, you know, you're a pro, you said you, ch you check out, but still when you check out, you get limited, you know, maybe you're checking the bust, but then what about the hip area? Maybe exactly. the data is not there and uh, the bus is not enough to, you know, decide if you, the dress is going to put you or not. So this other, uh, this was another challenge we faced. And then you very well mentioned the drip. The fab digital fabric simulation, how does uh, digitally the fabric simulates and to cross check against the physical fabric. We went through years of that process. Uh, if I'm talking about a sweat, okay, digital world, how is it supposed to fall in physical? How does it? I have to make them look as accurate as possible. And lastly, 
the, sorry, that technical terms, fabric GSM, the fabric motion, right? The GSM thickness, you know, what is the thickness of the garment? Very few brands might be able to give that to us. Mm -hmm. But most, if they're manufacturing in-house, they have that data. That has a huge impact. Like, for example, denim is going to be stiff on you, right? It's not going to just drape around you, whereas a satin or a silk would. So that information is very critical for us. And these are the challenges we face to come up with an accurate, you know, uh, experience. Uh, today, everything is about CX, right? How do you give your consumer CX, the best CX possible? So we had to go through all these processes uh, to arrive at that. Um, and uh, lastly, with all this information, what we give you is a heat map so it's in different colors so as accurately as a client gives us a data i can show you it's tight around the hips maybe it's red so maybe you should consider going for a neck size but maybe you like a bodycon dress and tight around the hips so depending on your personal choice you can just go and buy it wow i would make sure to send this particular clip to someone because you know you you hear a, a lot of folks uh, say that oh I, I wish i had gotten this idea and i would be a millionaire right now and <laughs> it's like it's not just about the ideas ideas are a dime a dozen it's all about the hard work that goes behind the scenes so fantastic to hear all about that so now what we're also seeing you, know, you spoke about uh customer experience the cx customers are becoming more and more aware they're becoming more and more conscientious and Fast fashion has become some sort of a bad word, especially for Gen Z, especially for millennials. And sustainability is becoming a crucial aspect of the fashion industry. Now, you had big things. You have made strides. You mentioned, you know, like how to reduce the environmental impacts by enabling virtual try-ons. In addition to that, how do you see AI and technology playing a role in promoting sustainability within the fashion space? And what about just retail in general and the future possibilities that you envision with this intersection? Yes. So, so today, the coolest term is generative AI, right? Like, <laughs> it is, uh, you know, without any offense, it's equally getting difficult for companies to recruit because uh, when we go to recruit, we need to cross-check, do they even know how to code or are they using any of these platforms? And that is truly the present state in the market, which is very, it's amazing at the same time how you use AI, right? Uh, it can be it's the biggest blessing. Obviously, uh, when we started our company, we did not know we are going to be a deep tech generative AI company. We started to solve a problem. Then we realized AI is the only way I can reach the world. If I try to solve one country at a time, one city at a time, I'm never going to grow. I cannot solve the world's problems. And that's when we adopted AI and we became a generative AI company, you know, automatic generation of your garments, 2D to 3D, or automatic, you know, from just the images, all your body measurements, or your avatar creation. It was all uh, in just few seconds. So honestly, we never used the term generative AI, but it was all about generative AI. So, uh, so now going to sustainability, which is at the core of what we do, and the biggest requirement in the fashion industry, right? Um, so I touched on a very basic problem that is, um, reducing your returns apart from the shipping problem that i'm talking about and companies now actively going and charging for returns who has started you know it's important to charge for the returns maybe consciously the consumers will be more aware of it and uh, not just randomly go and order if you need a dress and it's an urgent matter just get three four sizes 
and you can afford it, but you're not considering the returns you're going to do. You might return all four of them. This is the very tip of the iceberg. What goes below is way more deeper. Now imagine, as you said very correctly, uh, today we are designing sizes, small, medium, and then there is vanity sizing. No one is actually designing for actual human body type, whether it's with geography. Once you have, so suppose you are a client and you're working with me in three months, Imagine you might have had body scans of all your consumers. You know the body types that actually exist. Maybe in New York City, these are the actual body shapes, heights, age group, gender that actually exists. Your designers start designing better for the actual body types, not the standard mannequins. And they start manufacturing the sizes that is required for the particular geography. For example, if there is, you feel that there are more obese people, maybe it's, you know, below, above triple XL, that's a larger population there. Then maybe you know that for a polo t-shirt, you know, a slim fit, you need 1 million pieces there, maybe triple XL, whereas extra small, maybe you need just 10,000 pieces. You mm -hmm. start manufacturing. And when you talk to the CEOs of the company, trust me, they get it. And uh, so when we talk to a client, we never talk about the supply chain augmentation. Although we are aware that the beauty of my technology is implement, you know, augmenting the whole supply chain and many, making the brand sustainable. But we never sell it because we feel people might not understand it. But the moment it's a CEO, CIO sitting there who understands the bottom line, you know, they are going to catch on the numbers. They know the power of the data. And they will say, why can't I use this to design better, to augment my supply chain? It happened to us in quite a number of occasions where we were giving a normal pitch. The CEO comes and says, but why are you not highlighting the data? I want to be more sustainable, you know, and that's the beauty. It is spreading. Today, our technology is being used by the biggest brands to augment the whole supply chain, to design better. And it's the power of human body data that we're talking about. And um, this is where generative AI comes in. So the, um, it's very, very, very important to use this data to impact your whole supply chain, save millions. And with that millions, you can incorporate and even enter a new geography if you want, whatever. But ultimately, you will be more sustainable. And uh, if I just touch about the last part, today we are talking about the metaverse or, you know, we're talking about going digital. That's tremendous pressure on a brand who might not be able to afford all the 3D modelers using traditional methods of creating garments in 3D. That's when, again, our generative AI comes in. It creates from any 2D image to 3D in just less than a minute. It gets mm -hmm. created automatically and there's something with size grading, right? Extra small to triple XL. A traditional way you might have to create physically. Okay, I created this in Excel. Now I'm going to go to excess. It might take you one day, two day, depending on the speed of the person and the accuracy. Right. In my my generative way, I create it in 30 seconds. You put it one in 30 seconds, all your size grading is done and sorted. Now, what it enables a brand who cannot afford all this, you know, endless, maybe 100 people sitting and doing that, they can just go digital in a matter of weeks. And that's a beauty. You are sustainable, you created it in digital, and you're still going live and with, you know, fraction of the cost. Beautiful. And so there is, so that's the beauty of AI. It just need not be misused. It can be, it can help you be much more sustainable. Absolutely. And I, I couldn't help but draw parallels to what my role is within SAP Digital and uh, the organization SAP Digital within customer success uh, in uh, particular. 
you know, like you were saying, utilizing the intelligent technologies like generative AI to really impact and improve our customers' life, especially when they need a trusted advisor to help them go digital, because that's a, quite the Herculean task for a company to go digital and future-proof their business. And having uh, a trusted partner who can help them unlock value at speed, at scale, is just such a blessing. But with that said, Chandralika, I would love to switch gears here. Uh, now, I already started the podcast by saying I was fangirling. And with that said, I do want to be you when I grow up. And... Now, one of the things that I would like to imbibe is how you are able to project a, such a powerful executive presence while simultaneously being relatable, personable. Even there's a certain softness to you and why this is important. You know, uh, I see a lot of young leaders, women leaders, sometimes uh, they try to either come up across very hard and serious. I know I have tried that. I have had a lot of male mentors and sometimes I try to pretty much copy their body language. And <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that if that comes authentically to you. On me, it just looks wrong. Um, and sometimes I do find myself, you know, really reiterating uh, in the professional scenarios that, oh, I'm not young. I'm 31. I'm a mom. I'm not young. Don't think of me as an early talent. Like I said, you know, women, early talent, we feel the pressure to look hardened, to look serious. Uh, so what would you advise upcoming leaders on how they can hone a powerful presence while still remaining authentic? That's, first of all, it's an honor to be even hearing nice, such amazing words from you because I kind of admire you. You're just a mom and just back to work. I really admire that. Uh, so, yes, but whatever you said, I think every woman at some point or a young leader goes through, especially women, because I have so many amazing gentlemen out there. So please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But yes, unfortunately, I still face sexism. Uh, at different levels. Uh, I, I am dying to see more women out there at strong positions or leadership positions. I, we always need to balance our life. I do understand that. And I really respect and we are born in a way that maybe we are more, uh, you know, we take things a little more personal. We understand and we try to take care of the family. Completely understandable. But I wish, um, just the way you're back here, go have your kid get married do whatever please can you get back to work <laughs> please can you get back to work um, if you have a life right right life partner you can balance your work and i just want so many women out there who might have just stopped working to get back uh, make it a much more uh, lovable place uh, that's one um, just to on your point but yes coming back to uh, the issues um, when i was your age and I, I'm still, I'm a tiny person, you know, I'm just five feet, three inches. Uh, so whenever I walk in, um, people, uh, so it, it was very funny during the pandemic. I'm, I was in Zoom calls and everybody thought, okay, you know, she's, you know, form and this, that. So after the pandemic, when they first met me in person, they were all shocked. They were like, oh my God, it can be you because <laughs> I am a petite, tiny person. And in the Zoom, maybe I look a little stronger. So it was, uh, uh, my physical appearance gets judged a lot. Uh, it is very funny. And I find sometimes find it cute because not everybody means it in a bad way. Uh, but the only way, irrespective of how you look, what your height is, what you're wearing, 
I feel is uh, my key is or the only way I know is to be very honest. I that's the only way I know. Unfortunately, uh, sometimes I do face issues in maybe in a you know a panel discussion because many people are aware that Chandralika is going to say the truth. So I, I I literally you know sometimes keep a note with me. Okay, you know don't say the truth. <laughs> sometimes it gets a little dangerous for me. So uh, be very honest, but obviously. Uh, mind your words because it might sometimes be you know sometimes might find it harsh so while you uh, ensure that you're honest uh, you stand by your ethics um, and as much as i respect others and sometimes obviously we have to respect anyone out there right i mean that's professionally or personally but please don't take when someone is not giving the same respect back to you not because you're a woman because just because you deserve it and we all work very hard if someone is disrespecting you in a very nice the politest way you can just say maybe i don't like the tone or maybe this is not how you talk very nicely as polite as you can so and learn to say no if you're not fine with something just learn to say no if in whatever your ethics say stand by it be honest and just stand by your ethics and, and there is no stopping that's the, literally that's my only fun that be i honesty and just be very 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 ethical and learn to say no if Beautiful. someone is crossing the line stand up and gently say i'm not fine amen to that uh so what i took from that is first and foremost uh, you know be honest be authentic to yourself to your ethics and finally have clear boundaries uh your boundaries for sure <laughs> so you you had mentioned gaming earlier and how things started with the whole gaming arena and that's literally what i thought about when i first heard of, of trions uh i was playing with ready player me recently and created my own avatar from my picture and i love the fact that it was free to do so uh i love open source stuff and i was actually able to use ready player avatar to live stream into one of my work event meetings with that said what other applications do you see of this technology this 3d avatar technology outside of gaming outside of fashion what else could be out there my god this is that is so big you know just i will later i'll get you some stats it's like it's shocking how big gaming is and um, when we talk gaming you know just imagine we're not just talking about um, kids sitting mm -hmm. on a console and playing you, if you realize gaming is one industry that accepts technology with open arms and they have been doing that for years before the pandemic anything latest in technology has been rolled out in gaming and people accept it with open arms so uh, that is for me that the intersection of gaming and passion is inevitable and let's roll out where is possible it's something called interactive entertainment right we all are in that space physical digital and this uh, the applications of interactive and uh, entertainment is in a different level that's beyond gaming beyond fashion and imagine movies advertisements as you're watching something and suddenly everything gets customized you know the avatar is actually talking to you hey you just wanted to see that garment why this one is beyond try on you want to click over you know it's already happening but in different silos right now when you imagine you're watching a match the biggest you know soccer match and suddenly you know the ad is just you there and it's mm. just telling you hey what about this how about that imagine the level is it can it's going to touch every touch points of a life 
and with its stylized realistic avatars now you spoke already clear me so they are uh, mainly into stylized avatars right and they do it amazingly now whereas big things is into realistic avatars so uh, our niche is completely different whether it's stylized or realistic different countries have different preferences but their applications are going to be your ads the whole area of interactive entertainment and that is like a huge area and that's like a trillion dollar business out there so i think it's going to spread all over beyond fashion and healthcare think about healthcare you know like you're just looking at something so our for example you know uh, we have this mobile body scanning technology very often uh, it was it was weird there was one article in forbes us and one of the biggest insurance companies in the world reached out to us and said hey i know you're doing in fashion but why can't they use this technology in insurance and healthcare so to be honest it is equally applicable is just in your focus on fashion so including the, uh, if i just if you just take the two photos we can actually get your exact body weight in the comfort of your home anywhere in the world it's just that we were not looking at that space but people are so smart they said hey hey i want to tell people if your body suppose you're working out more and you're just going you know so i'll get those people better premiums Mm. So can you understand you never think of those right. but insurance industry is already thinking of it and they reached out to many companies have reached out to us healthcare companies have reached out to us guys i need to use this so the sector is literally the moment you enter into healthcare it's the biggest my brain is buzzing with all of the use cases that exist <laughs> out there it's exciting it is slightly intimidating but mostly exciting you know the speed the ever changing landscape of technology they we talk about web3 ar vr the other day actually it was while researching for big things uh, that i came across the word xr and i was like okay what is extended reality all about you know so you name it technology is ever changing ever increasing and with that said it is harder you know we call the gen z digital native even millennials are called that but it is still increasingly harder for students and academia to keep up and be real world ready so what role can industry you know companies like yours play in bridging this gap yes it's um it's such a right question you know many com- many colleges globally have realized it and uh, because you know as you said we started very early so people knew that there were some crazy people asking us to go digital you know that time they didn't realize but when the pandemic suddenly broke imagine this kids that we're talking about they went to college and it was remote fine but the syllabus was not designed to go digital in any way and suddenly when they were out of college pandemic you know was over they came out they were had to go and get jobs the jobs of that changed and they have never been taught anything in the college it's uh, if i just touch about the fashion world just the fashion world so now today every fashion designer idly should know the softwares to create digital fashion it will be very helpful for them but they were not taught in college and when they got out every company was asking for that so there were many colleges and in the pandemic they reached out to us so today i teach globally uh you name milan paris new york you know asia different parts of the world colleges have reached out i have also worked with colleges to create the entire curriculum for the new season how do they you know incorporate this technology they have really evolved but i am sure there are many colleges out there who have like really stuck like okay you know what do i do because my students are not getting the right jobs and this poor kids 
I mean, I, I can't even put myself in the shoes. It's not, that's not their fault. So the biggest thing is I wish more and more colleges stay updated on what's happening in technology, not only what's happening maybe in the political area. Technology is everything right now. You need to understand in your sector what is happening. Reach out to the companies. They'll be more than happy to work with you to change your whole entire syllabus. It's never about money. These founders will be more than happy to take classes, you know, be part as speakers and, you know, tell them the world what's happening. And uh, for a student side and the young people, uh, my only advice would be that sometimes, you know, at this young age when you need to really absorb, maybe don't look at the, if you're looking for even an internship, don't look at what are you getting. You know, maybe it's, it can be as simple as, okay, the company, maybe they don't have an open role, right? So that means the finance doesn't have an open role and, a, you know, packet sorted for it. Go and tell them, hey, it's fine. Look at the profile. Can you just give me a chance to be working with you guys for two months and just me, let me be part of the process. And just go and absorb what's happening. That's most important for you right now. And once you go through the process, you absorb, you know what you need to learn, you're sorted. But I highly encourage young kids to reach out to whoever the company in the world you love, write to them and say that, hey, I'm just looking for experience. I want to know what's happening. And uh, I think that there is no stopping, you know, we need to work together. That is so, so true. And how our careers are also pivoting because my training, like you said, you know, you and your co-founder are both have your formal training in architecture and my bachelor's was in aerospace engineering. But most of the stuff that I do now has been self-taught. And uh, recently I picked up animation and that now I'm not at the Disney Pixar level, but oh. the stuff that I did uh, do with character animator and the basic rigging, I was able to do with the free tutorials online. And I think that's also another place, you know, industry can really help bridge this gap by just offering those tutorials, offering those, even the free assets so that you can yeah. tweak them, play with them and then make your own. So yes, absolutely. And at SAP, we we are all about helping our customers future-proof their business. And at SAP Digital, we really try to help them unlock value with volume and velocity. Those are three Vs. So in order to help our customers do that, what are some of the trends that we should be mindful of, keep an eye on, that you believe will have a transformative impact on both fashion, retail sectors, even in general, and how can brands position themselves to stay ahead of this curve? Today, the consumers have become so demanding thanks to the pandemic and the freebies they get and the technology. It's not easy for even a biggest multi-billion dollar company to, you know, to create the stickiness and to maintain the brand loyalty, right? It's very, very hard. And technology has played a great role. Uh, they are, they want everything hyper personalized. Uh, today, consumer experience is the key for any brand. And it does not matter whether you are in fashion, uh, retail, fashion retail, whether you are a cars brand. Today, they have the, if you feel today I'm, I'm obsessed with this luxury car brand. Tomorrow, they might choose something else. You have to create that whole customer journey, customer experience. And um, again, you know, uh, the future trend, I mean, uh, you know, something that, that is never going to die. And I just came across a report yesterday from Newzoo around the gaming industry. And that was quite 
I would say I would not ex did not expect the numbers so steep. And let me tell you a few numbers. I especially noted for you because I was equally shocked, and, and maybe you also will be. So you think that maybe gaming industry or the intersection of gaming and fashion. Uh, if I just touch base with the, only the fashion industry right now, mm -hmm. the intersection of fashion and gaming is it's the biggest there's no stopping here all of the all of them are using fashion inside gaming and some of the stats 93 percent of gen z consumers are engaging with games or gaming content 93 percent i'm talking about that was like oh my god and it just released in june 23 79 percent of the total online population are game enthusiasts i'm talking about the whole online population that includes you and me the Way you went and played with your know, ready player me you did animation you are related to your are gaming gaming enthusiasts and 57 percent of the players have also spent money on video mm. games you know how big the skins are right what are skins skins are nothing but the fashion element they're playing they want to show off and if you just think about fashion when you go to buy something maybe a exotic bag you're buying right mm -hmm. you're not buying it because uh, oh i'm just doing you know i'm just buying it there's a lot of emotional aspect to it right you want to buy it it's obviously expensive you have researched about it is you're emotional about it and you're going to show off the same logic applies in the gaming equally exactly the same and 50 percent of the players which was uh, amazing that why today every a car brand or shoe brand or mobile brand to even medicines i'm thinking of you know as simple as alternative medicines tomorrow i can see them positioning themselves in games because 50 percent of the players actually observe and discover a new brand while gaming 50 percent so every brand today is making a positioning band and then i thought that psychologically i thought uh women are not active there and then I realized, again, I read that it just came out in July 23, 50% of PC video game players are women, 50%. And 54% of mobile video game players are women. So if you think and that I would just later, I'll send you the graph, it's not Gen Z. You can talk my, my parents' age, everybody, it's above 50% who are engaging in some form of gamification in the life. So this is the future. You have to either gamify your whole positioning, your advertisement, or have a positioning inside a game. The lines are blurring, you know, like it, it that's the future. There's no going back. And you will, uh, this is, this is where every brand will find their marketing and creating the stickiness. Wow, that, that was such music to my ears because I'm a big fan of gamification and how it taps into intrinsic motivation. And, you know, it comes so naturally to all of us because uh, we have grown up with games. It's just a part of us. So lovely, lovely to hear that. And I could just keep talking forever, but... I know you're living that entrepreneur life and have other things to get to as well. So with that said, any parting words for our audience today? Yeah, um, so we, first of all, thank you so much for your time. I know you are very busy with me right now and um, it's been an honor. Uh, you have all the nice words and I am the happiest when the person I'm talking to is a woman. 
<laughs> I am literally biased, I would say. Um, out of all the, you know, who was listening, obviously, to the men, women, thanks to all the gentlemen out there and the women, as I requested, please, I need more women in tech. Uh, I, if possible, I would like to have all the women in my team, but I feel miserably because I don't find the talent out there. So please, we need more leaders, more women leaders. We need more women in tech. As you saw some of the stats, the 54% of mobile gamers are actually women. So we are there. It's just about, you know, you don't have to quote a mental block. You don't have to quote. You can be part of any game, any technology, any generative AI, and we need all of your insights. And since we talked so much about, you know, AI on a parting note, it will be like, uh, as we use this AI, it's a very, very, very useful thing. We need it. It's going to, it's poised to transform roles and boost performance for all of us. Don't be scared. It's not going to take any of our jobs if we use ethically. The only request will be, we need to be a little careful. We need to have responsible use of AI. We need to ensure it's accurate. Please don't believe everything that you see in generative AI. It needs to be safe. It needs to be honest, empowering, and most important, it needs to be sustainable. And that would be my only request to everyone. Please definitely don't be scared of AI, but please ensure that it's responsible AI. Absolutely. So yes, let's just make sure that don't be scared of AI, but make sure it is responsible AI. And with that said, uh, thank you so much, Chandralika, for joining me today. I will be linking in the show notes all the information about big things as well as our social, as well as about SAP Digital. Thank, thank you, you so much. It was such a pleasure. Thank you so much, Akshay. Lots of love and stay safe.